Hello, and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the Everyday Association Professional. I'm Nick Estrada, your host. In today's episode, we'll talk about an important strategy to use as you establish your career path. We all hear it's great to have a mentor to help guide you along your professional journey, but what's better than one? Well, how about a team of mentors? We'll discuss the power of identifying mentors, building your personal board of directors, what to look for, and how to use this group to your advantage. Our guest is Tonya Egan, MPA, CAE, CFRE, the CEO of Kappa Delta Pi, or KDP. KDP is a national association of 33,000 members, inspiring and equipping future and new teachers to thrive. Mentoring is Tonya's passion, and she has a lifelong commitment to ensuring others benefit from the power of mentoring. She credits mentors for not only helping her thrive, but also helping her survive some of life's pitfalls. And at the age of 22, she founded the Student Mentoring Program at IUPUI, which became a model adopted by other universities. Welcome, Tonya. Hello. Good to see you. Yeah, we're excited to have you here today. So can you just tell us a little bit about your association journey, you know, how you've gotten to this point, uh, helping to lead an organization of over 30,000 members? Sure. Well, I, I was very fortunate early in my career that someone told me about nonprofits and nonprofit management and leadership. So early um, in my 20s, I pursued a master's in public affairs and nonprofit management and leadership. And one of my first big roles in my late 20s was with a national association. And I didn't really know at that time what an association meant, but I was excited to dive in. I moved to Kansas City from my hometown of Indianapolis and joined an association whose focus was to establish nonprofit management certification programs um, in universities throughout the country. And we had student undergraduate student members throughout the country. And then we expanded internationally. So I was just very fortunate to travel a lot, get to meet people all over the country, um, work overseas through this amazing association experience that just opened a whole new world of opportunity for me. And then over the years, I led some youth mentoring um, organizations like Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And even within that, even though that officially wasn't an association, I formed um, the Indiana Mentor Alliance, which was kind of, you know, an association of all professionals who taught or worked on youth mentoring. And that later became the Indiana Mentor Network. So I've learned that I just love that connectivity that associations offer and the power of many and where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And then I was fortunate, you know, after leading a couple of other nonprofit organizations coming to Kappa Delta Pi a year ago and joining the organization as we strive to help future and new teachers. Yeah, it sounds like a, a fun journey. And I think similar to probably a lot of association professionals, right? We, and I think many of us have stayed in the association world because of those connections. So uh, very excited to talk to you today about mentors. And it sounds like we've got the perfect person to speak to about that. Uh, So as we talk about mentors, how do you define a mentor? How does that, um, you know, what, what do they look like? What do that, what characteristics do they have? Well, first of all, I think the greatest gift a person can give someone else is hope. And a mentor is someone who allows us 
to see the hope inside of ourselves, a vision for the future. And the way they do that is they're an individual that supports our growth and development by giving us advice, feedback, and guidance, either based on their career or based on their personal life as well. So it can it can be a, almost like a life coach, if you will, is a more popular term today, but that in a way your mentor can become that. Yeah. So what ways... Um, you know, obviously professional or personally in terms of life coach, right? They can be really helpful, but how, how does a mentor impact an individual professionally? What can they look to gain out of a mentor relationship um, as that kind of works for them? So sadly in America, less than half of American adults say that they've ever had a mentor, which is, is, surprising and troubling because we are all responsible for our own destiny, our own success in our career. And we really have to own that, but we can't do it all by ourselves. So your mentor is the one who walks with you on this journey and provides everything from the coaching and affirmation to kind of the kick in the pants and the devil's advocate that sometimes you need. And also just that role model that maybe someone that you really aspire to assimilate a little bit in your work and everything. But, um, you know, mentors really help a person challenge, you know, ourselves in terms of we have to be vulnerable and courageous. I think when you use a mentor, because mentors, if they're doing a good job, will give you feedback that you don't really want to hear. And, and you may not have known that you needed to know because we don't know what we don't know. But there's really no shortcut to experience, whether it's professional or life. And mentors are the best shortcut if you're ever going to have one. I always think of that visual of the glacier, you know, that are you're looking at the water where the, the ice is above the water and then the the ice is below the water. And what we see often in our careers is above the water, but what we don't see is below it. And the mentor knows what's below it. They can give us that vision that we don't yet have. They have those forward looking glasses. So um, they can really encourage us to be our best selves if we're willing to listen and take advice. And sometimes you don't take your mentor's advice and in my case, sometimes years later, you regret not taking their <laughs> advice on occasion, but um, it's important to be open-minded and embrace the idea that someone else really can see your, you know, potential even more than we can. Yeah. You mentioned vulnerability and courageousness there. And so I'm curious if you have any examples or tips to kind of be more vulnerable when you're working with a mentor. Yes. I think ask before you talk to a mentor or meet with them, just asking yourself, okay, what can I learn from the situation? And say to yourself that I'm going to go into this as a learner and a listener, not as someone who feels like I have to have answers. Even if I think I know the answers, I'm not going to say them. I'm just going to ask and listen and reflect. And then after the mentor session, do the same thing. 
to say, what did I learn? Because what we hear, we still as humans hear what we want to hear a lot of times. And so you almost have to play as a tape over in your mind what the mentor said to kind of really hear some of the messages they gave and reflect on those. And sometimes you may have to go back and ask for clarification so you don't misinterpret, but that's being vulnerable and opening yourself up to just true growth and feedback um, from another person. Yeah. I like the concept of kind of that post-reflection there, because I think um, it really pushes you maybe, I don't know, just to kind of think about, okay, am I overthinking things? Am I following along? And and to your point, right? Like, am I actually going to listen to what my mentor is potentially telling me? Right. Exactly. I think that's the hardest part for all of us sometimes is when we hear what we don't want to hear. But mm. but if we believe in that person and have the trust and transparency, um, then we really should value that and at least try something they said, even if we think it doesn't sound like us or something I would normally do. It's always worth being willing to be a little experimental with your life and career as long as your mentor is giving you that sound guidance. Yeah. And then to kind of, if you act on those, right, go back to your mentor and say, hey, I tried that and it worked or hey, it did not work. And so we need to think of some new ways to address that issue or, the, or that situation. Can you, can you just provide some examples maybe, or um, some stories of your own of how uh, mentors have helped you? You know, earlier you mentioned, maybe you, you might regret not listening to them sometimes. Um, so I'm just curious um, for some stories here. Yes, sure. Well, I, I don't think, I think my first mentor came into my life, maybe when I was 21. And in that case, it was actually a faculty member at a university um, who I was really struggling and frustrated as a college student. I was working full time and thought, you know, they're not paying me to be here. So should I stay in college or not? Uh, and this, I, somehow this faculty member seemed to be able to read my mind and know that I was on the verge of probably making a bad life decision. And so he approached me and said, would I want to be his research assistant? And at the time, I just thought, oh, he needs a research assistant. But later, years later, I realized he really was doing it to kind of save me from myself um, distraction and to guide me to stay on campus and to stay engaged in my education. And so that was kind of my first time that someone saw something, a direction I was going that I didn't even really see myself and they knew where it would head and they kind of rerouted me. But then um, upon graduation, um, one of my first bosses uh, was an older African-American male and um, higher up in education as a vice chancellor. And he really took me under his wing. And even though I was a young Caucasian female, it was amazing to me how much he could help me see in myself that I couldn't see. So he would challenge me, for example, I would complain a lot that I'm trying to launch a new project and no one will listen to me because I'm young and I'm female and, and they don't take me seriously. And he would just say, you know, that's their problem, but your challenge is to go out there and make this a success. And you find the people who will work with you and will listen to you. 
And in that moment, I realized, oh, excuses aren't going to work, <laughs> number mm-hmm. one. And number two, he's saying, I have to make this success happen. Like I had never had someone really put that burden on me, if you will, that responsibility that you need to find a way. And I felt really empowered and a little scared leaving that meeting, but I really owned it from that point on. And it really changed my perspective about my whole career and how I live my life that um, when I do run up against something that, you know, sometimes I need that mentor as a sounding board to just kind of snap me out of it and tell me what I need to go do. Um, There was another time I, in my career, later in my career, I was working in a difficult situation where I had a lot of ethical challenges Mm. with some of my, um, well, a couple of my superiors and I was really struggling and I called this one very successful, um, you know, association leader, even though I wasn't at that time working in an association, but I just always really admired her and I would call her and I would kind of whine and complain and vent. And she would always, you know, redirect me and say, stay the course, you know, be true to yourself, but you have a responsibility for the people you lead and all this stuff. So it would work. And I would call her. And then one time I called her with like a whole new concern. And she just said, honey, you've got to go. <laughs> she said, mm. you got to get out of there. I said, what? I was expecting her to tell me, you know, give in stay the course, stay in the game, do it. And I was so shocked. And I hung up that phone and just, You know, it was like sometimes in our careers, if we're not in the right environment, we get into fight mode. Some people are Mm -hmm. flight. I got into fight mode where you're just struggling and struggling and struggling. And for her to just say, stop, it needs to stop. You need to move on. I was so shocked by that. Um, But it was the best advice she ever, you know, gave me. And Mm -hmm. I did make a change and which was probably a win win for all involved, but had she not just put me on the spot and, and again, I kind of had in my head what she was going to do. And she took a very different route, which is what a mentor does. They do what they really believe is in your best interest and, and where they kind of see the end of the road or the journey you're on where it's headed. Yeah. I think what's so interesting with both of the the stories you've just told is the power of really almost just like a singular sentence, Mm -hmm. you know, or a a small snippet of a comment from both of those mentors, you know, in your first scenario, really empowering you. And I think actually both of those scenarios empowered you, right? And I think that's a, a key component of mentorship is them providing that empowerment, but also from that um, that lens of, I'm, I'm really just here to help you. Right. So like at the end of the day, you can take what I say, or you can leave what I say, but I I'm here to make sure that you're the most successful person you are. Um, and the second story I just think is really cool because you're right. When those mentors or those really close friends that you use as a mentor, right. Suddenly shift what they say. I think it stands out even more because suddenly you're like, wow, Oh man, if you've been telling me to stay the course this entire time, and now you're telling me to go like, okay, I thought maybe I was overreacting to everything that's been happening, but like you also seem to think that now this is not a good place for me. Yeah. So exactly. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So as you think about, um, and for our our listeners as well, right, as they're maybe thinking about 
identifying somebody as a mentor. Um, Cause I think there's, there's a difference between kind of having that, like you're my mentor, right? We've never formalized the relationship. Um, but I think that there is value to saying like, I want you as my mentor, right? So how do you recommend somebody approaching another individual that they would like to have as their mentor? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I've observed people sometimes in a meeting or people that I work with or interact with that I kind of get in my head. There's, you know, I'm really impressed by them. There's something I could learn. And sometimes it's very specific, like their presentation style, you know, how to, or how did they facilitate a very difficult conversation? And then other times it's more in general, you think, wow, I just want to kind of learn how that person processes their priorities in life and everything. But the best way to start is just to ask for that initial kind of informational interview. Um, I mean, I have called people before and said, I want you to be my mentor. And that's like the worst thing you're supposed to do. So I don't recommend (laughs) it. Um, You're supposed to start with a little bit of a soft sell, if you will. (laughs) So reach out, have an informational interview, but offer a compliment to them. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I always watch you in those meetings and you manage conflict so well, I would love to just meet with you and learn more about what your thought process is when you see conflict, you know, give them a very specific compliment and example. So they know that their time is valuable. It's not, oh, I want to grow and I want you to, you know, carve out your busy schedule to help me grow. It's you bring something very specific to me that I want to learn. So give them a compliment, give them an example. And then of course, everyone loves a compliment. So they usually aren't going to say no at all to the informational (laughs) interview. Um, And everyone loves to share their opinion. So they know, okay, this is not something they have to prepare for. It's, It's something that they do. So you have your informational interview. Hopefully it goes well, but you have to really listen and prepare, ask questions, but again, not just go in as a learner, but be very specific with your questions. I've had many people ask me for informational interviews, and then we sit and talk about the weather. We talk about, you know, what they did last night because they're not asking me specific. And I don't feel um, maybe that I even know them well enough or even know what, what it is they're seeking to know. So, so usually the mentee does need to be the driver a little bit in terms of preparing, asking some specific questions, and then letting it become more of a natural conversation. Always respect their time and thank them profusely for it. And if you do follow their advice, be sure to circle back, even with a quick email or note saying, you know, the next day I tried such and such that you told me. And it was wonderful, or it was awkward for me, but I felt like I grew and I thank you for that opportunity. So then after you've processed that first meeting, the relationship's going well, you've thanked them, they know you're actually listening and valuing their time. You could then ask them, would you mind meeting with me, you know, quarterly or, you know, or would you mind being available to me when I do have an issue or a call? Some mentors are kind of on-call mentors and others you want to meet regularly. And oftentimes they'll say yes, or they might just say, sorry, where I am in my life, I can't take on one more commitment, but I'll be happy to introduce you to so-and-so, or you can even say, I appreciate that you're not available 
but is there anyone else that you know that you think I should get to know, you know, and ask them for your help? So it can be, it is a little bit formalized, but I, I think the biggest mistake mentees make is they just, you know, I literally had someone sit down once and they said, well, we have an hour and I've seen you, you know, working so hard. I often see you at your desk or in meetings. And if you could just tell me how to do what you do, because that's the kind of job I want. And then it just stopped there. And I thought, uh, I don't even know where to start with this. Um, and of course it was a little offensive because I thought in one hour I could entirely mm-hmm. explain all of my education and experience of my career. So that was a little off-putting as well, but just be more specific and prepared about what you want that person to really let you know. I think that approach is, is so nice of here's the specific problem. Here's what I think you as my yeah not even yet my mentor, but right as the individual that I've identified can help me with that. And then that feedback loop, I think that's, that's a piece I I definitely don't feel like I've really heard before of, I met with you and now I'm going to share how, what we discussed has already assisted me. Right. And then going back again and saying that now that you've helped me with that problem, (laughs) here's another one. And then you helped me again with that one. So now that you've done it twice, don't you just want to help me more often? Um, But I think that that's a really just a great opportunity. And I like the difference between kind of that consistent mentor and um, as you mentioned that on-call mentor, right? Like when I'm in a crisis or I need assistance, right? I can call upon you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I I think the the difference in approach there that you brought up um, in the on-call and the consistent Mm-hmm. mentoring really, I think, is a good lead into our next question. Um, and I, I believe it's the title of our, our session, right? Building your personal board of directors. Uh, and that's kind of a phrase I've heard before um, that, right, one mentor is great, right? And as, as you mentioned, right, half of all Americans don't even have a mentor. And so obviously we want to increase that. Mm-hmm. We, we'd like you to identify at least once. If you're listening today and you don't have a mentor, maybe that's the first challenge we can give you is, is get one. Um, but can you kind of explain the concept of a professional board of directors, um, and how we would use that as like a team of mentors? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I, I really love this idea of professional board of directors and, and, you know, if you Google it, you'll even see P bod, you know, P B O D a lot. So people say who's on your P bod. So if you ever hear that term, that's what that's (laughs) talking about. Personal board of directors but they really are your kind of group of mentors. What's different about them is that they don't formally meet and sit around the table and all stare at you and say, what's my agenda? But it could be awkward. Right, yeah. They may not, most of them wouldn't even know that you consider them to be on your board of directors. You don't even have to tell them. They, they should have a general sense that you are utilizing them as a mentor type relationship, that on-call mentor ongoing. But you kind of, it's a small group um, that you can really go to either, you know, calling all five of them, if you will, if you really have a big decision to make and getting all their different perspectives, or there may be one or two that you know, oh, that's the right person to call. It's also important that the personal board of directors isn't maybe only career specific. So if you're a single parent, for example, you may want someone on your personal board who's a single parent mentor, you know, someone Mm. that that navigates the complexities of balancing work and life from that perspective. 
or if if you're um you know i'm female so i want to make sure i have you know a couple of males on my personal board so i can even run gender questions by them if i have an issue you know if i if i think hmm how would someone respond to this obviously ethnic diversity is important um and sometimes regional diversity i mean i work mm-hmm. here in the midwest and you can, we think very differently in the Midwest from the East and West Coast and from the South and from international. So depending on what I'm, if I, how much I want to develop myself, then I need to have people from those other perspectives as well. And I think age, multi-generational is really important, um, especially in this day and age when we have five generations in the workplace and we have, um, Gen A, I think is the next one, Alpha, who are eighth graders now and um, coming up fast behind us. So we've really got to listen and and mentors are, and board of a personal board, people always assume they're older than you. Mm. Um, I, for me, who's a Gen Xer, I've always made sure that I've had millennials or um, Gen Z folks, if you will, that I can call on and challenge my thinking because as a leader, many of the people I'm leading and working with and in associations, many of our members are a different generation than me. And they may be different gender, different ethnicity, different region. And it's my responsibility to own the fact that I can't just see the world from you know my looking glass. I need to really rely on their advice and and coaching and, and honestly, and the younger um, mentee or mentors that I've had um, to me are, it's very refreshing, I guess, because they actually are usually more candid um, <laughs> and less worried about political correctness, um, which is great because sometimes even older mentors sometimes try to be so coddling you're not quite getting the message you're like you know they're trying to coach but being too nice and sometimes you walk away going I'm not sure if they were telling me to improve that or if I'm good but I never had that issue with the millennials Gen Z which I found very refreshing so you need this group of small group of individuals that you know and they will change over time as your life changes you know, um, you may go from being a single parent in a mid-level management position to now you're an empty nester and a CEO or in a C-suite position. You're going to want different people that you're calling on and, and doing, and that's okay. These are not lifelong commitments that a mentor or mentee need to make. It's um, your journey and while you're walking this journey in life, who do you want to bring along with you at that time? Yeah, I think a, a key piece I just pulled from what you were talking about, and if I've missed this, let me know. But it, it sounds like your board of directors both complements you and diversifies you, right? Yeah. So there, you're, you need some some people there that are similar to you, right? Who can mm-hmm. understand, I think, maybe the, the life experiences you've had or the things that are challenging you. Mm-hmm. But then also you need those other perspectives. Um, and I think that what sounds really cool when you're talking about that, right, is I could bring the same scenario to each of those people in my personal board of directors. And I may now get five different ways or seven different ways that I should handle that situation. And then now it's still my responsibility, right, to make that final decision. Um, But now I've got a lot 
of different options that I might be able to achieve. Exactly. Yeah. And you can also think of your personality style, you know, when on the disc, I'm a high D and I know that. So I really do need to surround myself with people who are not high D so they can remind me it's okay. You need to take time to smell the roses and and cultivate people around you and thank people and slow down a little bit with your relationships because I just go right in for the bullseye. And so <laughs> if I don't surround myself with people that are different than me, then, then I'm going to be a very lopsided kind of individual and leader and not connect with people who are different than me, but who also bring a lot of assets and ideas to the table. As as a maybe a younger association professional or really anybody, I guess, um, looks to build maybe that initial board of directors, um, kind of a two-part question here. Well, how many people should I be looking for? Uh, but then also, are there some key areas that I need to make sure I have covered first, right? So to your point, right, is it I need to have somebody who is um, a similar career to me. I need to have somebody who's outside of my career. You know, what does that makeup look like if I'm trying to establish this for the first time? Mm -hmm. That's a great point. I think, I mean, I would say three to five people at most. I mean, you don't want to overwhelm yourself. I mean, probably to start even two or three, just start. But there are certain types that you want on, on your personal board of directors. So you, you want your devil's advocate. You want the critic, the person that kind of annoys you and says what you don't always want to hear. But then later you kind of are, you know, they're right. And then, so you do need that person, you know, you need, and I wouldn't recommend it being a family member because we <laughs> don't tend to, even though they like to be devil's advocate, that's a different relationship. This is someone that really can see your future more objectively than like a close friend or family member. You need a strong supporter. You do need a champion. I mean, I just had a call last week from someone that I hadn't talked to in a while. And she said, I just need you to tell me that I'm good at what I do because I'm feeling really insecure now with some of the people I'm supervising. And so I kind of reminded her of her strengths and, and talk through the challenge she's having but you need that supporter and champion that really does believe in you. And, and that's a different person sometimes than the devil's advocate. So you're looking for different people. You also ideally would have that networker, that person that just seems to know everybody. Um, mm -hmm. They come in handy in a lot of ways, obviously. And they obviously don't know everybody, but they somehow, you know, they've built a reputation, a personal brand, um, a large network that that can really help expand your mind. And they're also going to introduce you to new people and opportunities that, that others may not on your personal board of directors. And then you also definitely want your industry expert, you know, the field that you're in, who, who do you know that you really um, want to exemplify? And it doesn't have to be, again, a C-suite person. It's it could be a peer, but find someone in your field that seems to really be an industry kind of expert. They're good at what they do. Everyone respects them and that you want to kind of walk beside them and learn from them. And then if for some reason you want to switch industries, you know, maybe you want to stay in the association world, but you're going from 
you know, construction over to education, then find those industry experts where you want to grow, you know, mm -hmm. so you can start learning the lingo, you can start learning the nuances of that culture that you want to transition to. So you definitely want your supporter, your critic, your networker, and your expert. And those would be kind of the four core corners, if you will, of the foundation of your uh, board of directors. And then you want to make sure they do are diverse and have different experiences. And you don't want group think, you know, out of that group. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a really, just a really great way to maybe narrow down um, where to start. Right. Cause I think, again, if you don't have one at all yet, there's kind of that, like, wow, I don't even know where to begin. Um, so I like that the supporter, your devil's advocate or your critic, the networker and that industry expert, I think that's a really great way to kind of capture each of them, um, with what, what you might need to do. So we've talked, I think at this point now quite a bit about, um, getting a mentor and you mentioned, and I, and I had not planned to ask this question, but I'm, I'm very interested now. Um, you know, you mentioned it's okay to be younger mm -hmm. and mentor somebody that's older than you. Mm -hmm. So how do you know when it's okay for you to be a mentor? Mm -hmm. um, you know, regardless of whether it's for somebody older or younger, but I still think there's some intrinsic qualities that maybe we have to identify within ourselves that we're like, okay, I am prepared to be a mentor now. Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. I love that question because I personally, I believe everyone can be a mentor to someone at any stage of their life. So for example, you know, for 10 years, I was a mentor to a young African-American girl um, from the age of, she was eight till she was 18. And I was technically her mentor, but I can tell you that I learned a lot about life from her perspective, her eye, from listening and growing. And I truly believe, you know, she transformed my life um, significantly. And so she may not have ever viewed herself as my mentor, but she really was. I mean, especially over time. And as she became a teenager, she was coaching up, you know, she was helping me see the world differently and think differently and, and respond differently. But I think in your career, you know, we should always pay it forward. So even if you're entry level, first year in career, who in college or who in high school can you reach back to and give a hand up? Hmm. Um, who can you, you know, let know that if there's a job shadowing day, you're open to them shadowing you just the simple things that can really open a door of opportunity for someone. Um, one of the times that really kind of took me back in my life, which um, was about 10 years ago, was when I got a call from an old high school friend who said their school, their high school was having, um, you know, a professional day where you shadow someone who's a professional. And their family thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And they could not think of anyone they know that they consider to be a professional. But they remembered that at one time in a Christmas card, I included my business card just to let them know where I was. And they said, wait, we know someone who uses business cards. She must <laughs> be a professional. So they called me and said, could our daughter shadow you for the day? And it just was like, wow, 
you know, to, to think that, that, yeah, you can be entry level and have a business card and you are really viewed by someone as I could learn from you, which is great. So don't ever underestimate, you know, where we've been. Um, if you've entry level, you've already come a long way um, in life and who can you help? Also look around for peers um, that you see potential in, but you can kind of tell they don't see it in themselves. Now you can't just take them on and start parenting them or something, but you can, you know, have lunch with them and say, you know, would you mind if I gave you some advice or if I asked a question, because I think you're an amazing person. And sometimes I'm not sure you see how amazing you are. And, and maybe your advice to them is to speak up in meetings. You know, I've given that advice to a lot of people over the years, especially entry level, um, you know, to be at the table and don't be afraid to show up, you know, Um, but that's mentoring, you know, that's just, and, and maybe they come back to you later and say, thank you for that. I spoke up at that meeting and I felt like I'm finally making a difference here. And then they kind of open the door for you to grow them while you grow. So everyone can be a mentor. I think everyone should be a mentor because just like anything in life, the more we teach, the more we learn and, and we're always lifelong learners, but we should also be lifelong teachers. Yeah, Tony, I, I really appreciate that. I think that's a just a fantastic way to end. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate your time sure. with us today. Thank you for sharing your expertise on this topic. I, I know, at least for me personally, this is one that I still struggle with of, of finding those mentors and how to approach them. And uh, even though there's a lot of people that I look up to, and so this has helped me a lot. I hope our listeners get quite a bit out of here. And um, if folks want to talk to you, Uh, again, maybe as the expert for this now to get some more information on mentoring or any other part of their uh, professional board of directors work, how can they get in touch with you? Well, as much as I hate to say it, I am old school. So they could probably email me as the best. (laughs) Um, My my staff is probably cringing right now, but so the best way is to email me at T-O-N-J-A at kdp.org. So Tonya at kdp.org. Um, I am always on email and so I will be very responsive, but um, I am on LinkedIn as well under my name. You know, I don't, I'm not very flashy. So I'm on Facebook under my name, Tonya Eden. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of easy to find, but I would welcome um, that. And also don't be afraid to cold call mentors. I've done that a few times where you're just asking for an informational interview, but again, you're telling them what you've read about them in the article or what you've heard about them in the news or what someone told you about them that impressed you and why you want to meet with them. So you don't, you know, you don't have to always know everybody. You just got to be on the lookout for those good mentors. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for being here with us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Hear This. If you have any questions you'd like answered or future topics you'd like us to explore, please send us an email at info at isae.org.